today I just want to tell you a, a story of something that happened in our family a few years ago. Our oldest daughter's name is Cherith, K-E-R-I-T-H. It's the river in 1 Kings 17 where God fed Elijah. Uh, after he came down, the ravens came and the water was there. That was the brook Cherith. So that's where we got that name. And um, our, daughter, our other daughter's name is Kyrie, like Kyrie, God's mercy. Our boys are Justin and Jonathan. <laughs> they, they didn't have to learn to spell their name as soon as they could talk, but the, the girls did. <coughs> Excuse me. About three and a half years ago, well, four years ago, Kareth graduated from college, from Christian College, Grace College in Indiana. She had a teaching credential. She got a job in Denver Public Schools in, um, <coughs> in a District 1, where about 94% of her classroom was minority and uh, English wasn't the first language of many of her students. And she started teaching, and it was, uh, it was just a great opportunity for her. She lived down the street with our cousin, my cousin Carol, so she was moving out on her own. I remember that fall, though, we'd have conversations, and she'd just say to me, growing up is so overrated. <laughs> because all that work in college, all that, I'm, I'm an adult now, I got my job, and here we go. It was proving to be quite uh, not so fun. She was quite disillusioned at that time in her life. And I remember just praying for her and being so concerned about her that fall. She also uh, started hanging around her high school friends again, which was disappointing to us. Our kids grew up in public school. We, we loved our public school of Inglewood. Uh, but some of the friends, you, you kind of hoped that we were done with some of those friends, even though we loved them. And, uh, and her high school boyfriend, who we'd prayed for for many years, um, she was hanging around him a lot as well. There would be times in the night that I would wake up in the middle of the night with my mom alarms going off. You know what those are. You know, when your kid is two and it's quiet, your mom alarm goes off, right? And, uh, and then as they get older, it, it changes depending on the season that your children are in. But my mom alarm, sometimes I would wake up suddenly in the night and think, one of my kids is in trouble, and I think I know which one it is. Well, it was February of 2013 that Kareth said that she wanted to talk to David and I together by ourselves. And so we went into our room, and we sat on our bed, and she started to cry, and she wrapped her arms around her middle, and she said, I'm pregnant. And Jake's the father high school boyfriend and I don't want you to be mad at him because I've been making bad choices and in that moment something that had happened earlier but in that moment for us our paths turned forever our reality was changed forever in that moment and as we sat on that bed and listened to her heart and one of the things she said right away was she said, and I wish the whole world didn't have to know. She said, oh, they will. Kareth becoming pregnant broke our hearts. Not because we didn't love that child already. Remember David saying, I love this baby already and you love me. But because the choice that she had made was a sinful choice at that time. She was not married. And we had been really careful to teach our children that God's the one that created sex. 
God's the one that created our bodies, he probably knows how it's supposed to go since it's his idea. And we, we like sex. It's great. Amen. <laughs> preach it, preach it. Yep. Another talk, another talk. But we understand that God in his wisdom, because it was his idea, that in his wisdom he put boundaries around this that might be difficult at times, but that the boundaries are for a man and a woman who have made a promise to each other first and then get to enjoy this beautiful gift of sex in a covenant. That that's God's plan for us. And then we want to live in obedience to him. We're going to follow that plan. And when we don't follow that plan, we're saying, you know what, I think I know better than you. I'm going to do it my way. And uh, that's not the way God wants. So our hearts were breaking because we knew that this represented her, her heart with God at that time. The next night, though, as David was coaching, he coached basketball and Jonathan was playing, and Karis and I went to watch the game when we were sitting in the stands. And that day I had cried a lot. Uh, I had prayed a lot, and God gave me this, this comment, this word that became my word for the whole season. And we were sitting there, and the guys were playing, and I said, Karis, I want you to know that I would never choose to be a grandmother's wife, but I'm not going to miss it. And I would never choose to know God deeper this way, but I'm not going to miss it. She said, okay. It was about, um, our, our, so our path took a turn in the road. I scripted this out because there's so much I can tell, and I'm trying to keep it down. Um, our path took a turn in the road, and our journey of not missing it began. About a week after the news, I was praying and crying out to God, and I distinctly felt like I needed to get out a pen and a paper because he was going to talk to me. This only happened a few times on this particular journey, but it was clear, and I took notes, so I just sat there. And he spoke to me in verses, Psalm 39, 7. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. And God spoke directly to me. Now, when you hear the voice of God, it usually sounds like your own voice in your, in your head. It's okay. It, you know, you won't hear this big booming, hello, mm. okay? But I knew that it was God, also because you don't manufacture it. You, d- you know, you don't create it. It just comes when God speaks. And... Um, and so I just sat there. Are you going to, I think you're going to talk to me. And he said, this is brand new territory. I will lead you step by step. And I got in my own car. And later he said, love your daughter. Hope. Strength and dignity will be your clothing. Laughter will come. That's from Proverbs 31. You are the mother I chose for Karis. Then and now. And God said, you will always be able to hear me through this. I love you. My love will not fail you. And he said, there are things you don't know. I remember sitting in church when we would sing, your love never fails. And I'd say, I know that's true. Right now, it feels like one of my big prayers that really mattered to me got a big fat no. And somehow God's love still hasn't failed me. I'm going to have to learn what that means. 
Another week passed and Karis was at our house and I pulled her into our room and I said, I just need to say a couple of things and ask a couple questions once and then I won't bring them up again. I said, you dishonored me and you broke my heart. But I'm not going to dwell on that. We're going to move forward. And then I said, I just need to know, are you a Christian? Yes, ma'am. I said, and do you love Jesus? She said, yes. But I am struggling with this. Okay. We can deal with that. That's the reality. And that wasn't the first time she struggled in her faith that we've had conversations about. And then I said, and don't sleep with Jake again unless he's your husband. <laughs> in my mom voice, beep. I said, I know, Mom, I know. <laughs> then two months later, I had to get out my pen and paper again because God was talking to me. There were times that I would lay on the floor in the living room. I'd be the only one at home, and I would just cry out to him. And I'd say to him, you got the wrong girl for this, God. You got the wrong girl for this job. Remember me? I'm like so careful to do everything like you say. But somehow God had this for me as one of my jobs to do that he put my name on. So when I took notes that time, he said, I love you. I see you. Your heart is precious to me. Then these words, love Karis now. Love that baby now. Love Jake now. You can't wait until you know that they're all okay and walking with me before you love them from love them from your heart. And I remember saying to God, you will need to give me that love. Teach me what it means to love. So the Dillon Community Church, you got reality this morning? You do, don't you? You don't know your story, but we know as we come and intersect with your lives for these days, you got lots of reality. You got trials, some probably far beyond the one we're describing this morning in our lives. Some that may feel minor, but they're, they're true. They're your reality. They're your difficulty. Life is hard. And this morning, our first point, if you're taking notes in the outline, is that, number one, God does not pretend. God does not pretend. God dwells in reality. He is reality. He knows your reality this morning. He knows ours. He's not shocked by it. He's there. God is with us in our reality. One of the things we've appreciated about Jim and Nancy over the years is that they're just very upfront, honest, in reality people. If you've ever had breakfast with Jim, or lunch, or dinner, or a beer, or coffee, I think I've had all those with Jim, not all at the same time, but... <laughs> You know that uh, Jim, Jim is not phased by your reality. He's not, he's not uh, offended by it. He, he's, not, uh, he's not dumbstruck by it. It's okay. I think it's one of the gifts that uh, he gives you as a church is to say, wherever we are, it's okay. Because God's there. 
there was a period of time where we weren't telling anybody about Kara's pregnancy. Um, and it, those were hard weeks where we held this just to ourselves. And we just chose a few select friends to share it with. Jim was one of the first I shared with. And he was present. In that moment, Jim uh, was God's presence to me. He wasn't phased by it. I know some of the struggles they've been through with their kids. We shared that moment together. And that's important. Because we, what we do, we, we tend to have a couple of responses to reality. When we're going along, and then all of a sudden someone says, I need to talk to you. Or we get the news. Or we get that phone call. And our lives shift. Those moments. One is we have a tendency to deny and to minimize and to make it as small as we can and package it so then we feel like we can actually handle it. That's human nature. Whatever it might be, to not face it for true, what it truly is, but to get it, minimize it, package it, so we feel like we have what it takes to handle it. And unfortunately, we do that to others when they come and share our reality. And that's not what they need. The other thing we tend to do is be to dramatize it and become the victim in the story so that we can always have an excuse for why we're not doing so well with it. Those are the two directions we want to go. But we want to encourage you again this morning. God says to us, face it, embrace it, and eventually over time, I'll erase it. Face it, embrace it, and then someday, and it may be heaven for some things, it'll be erased. So our text this morning is taking us to this reality, the verses we learned. And clearly, uh, in verse 2, it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the flames, we know it's going to happen. It's not if, it's when. Now, when Isaiah was describing this, you know, the people of Israel, of course, they would have had some very distinct pictures in mind about what this meant, uh, this idea of water. If you look at verses 16 and 17 of this chapter, it says, This is what the Lord says, He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. They had these miracles of God in their past, the Red Sea and the Jordan River where God parted the waters and took care of their enemies. And so when he says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. We don't know for sure what waters represent, but we know that they represent to the people of Israel an impossible circumstance, a reality that they had no idea what they were going to do about. But here's some of our ideas of what water might represent in our lives. Now, anything that threatens to overwhelm us and suffocate us. That could be loneliness. It could be grief, sorrow, isolation. Sometimes it can just be the busyness of life and the mundane anonymity we feel in life. It can be depression, just depletion of our energies, dark nights of the soul a break in relationship, or a struggle in relationship, or a break in trust in relationship, confusion, doubt, anything that threatens to overcome us. 
one of the great things about water, it, we know it's a purifying agent. So when we pass through waters, we know that one of God's purposes is to cleanse and to purify us. And not if, but when you walk through the fire. I like to think of fires in two ways, external and internal. When I think of external fires, I think of those like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, where they were put in a fire of persecution because they stood up for the name of Christ. We don't know that we might have to go through that someday. And I, I feel like our children, even more than us, will be in some of that. We go through fires of criticism. And even though they're often important lessons for us in the midst of criticism, it hurts and it burns. There are fires of temptation. God does not promise that we will not have more trials than we can handle. He promises we won't have more temptation that we can handle. The verse says, no temptation has overtaken you, but as such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, but with the temptation will also provide the way of escape. There's always an exit sign over every temptation. Sometimes we as Christians want to take and put that onto trials and say, God won't give you any trial that you can't bear. No, it's temptation that will never be too much. Sometimes the trials will feel like too much. Sometimes it'll be like those verses that Paul says, we are pressed down, but not destroyed. We are crushed, but not abandoned. And we have, we're despairing of life itself. Sometimes trials are that hard. Maybe your fire is just really a painful circumstance, a relational pain. You probably know the feeling of when something hurts so badly relationally, your body actually hurts, and it feels like it's on fire. You know that feeling? You, you just hurt. You feel like you're burning because something is so going so wrongly or you're hurting so badly. And then there are those internal fires, those unhealed places in our heart because they're still so raw that we keep getting hurt in the same place. There's the internal fire of burnout. That's different than depression because there's not the sadness element in it. But there is a bone-deep weariness that takes a long time to heal. Burnout is not sinful. It's not necessarily avoidable. And it can even be beneficial. I know that from experience. Because at this time, this very time in 2001, I was crying my eyes out and couldn't stop heading headlong into a two-year burnout. I, I mean, I was there. It took me two years to, to recover. I know that feeling. I remember saying, I'm so happy and I'm so tired. I had just come out of what I call my birthing cave, about 10 years of either being pregnant or nursing or, or something, you know? And for some ladies do that with this beautiful grace and some of us just, <sighs> you know, <laughs> the bodies don't work right and it messes with your emotions. Anyway, I, it, I didn't do it very gracefully. Whew, I had to recover. Love that I had the kids. <laughs> They're worth it. They are. Uh, it was hard. There's also the internal fire that can come of shame. The Bible says God's kindness leads us to repentance, like we talked about last night, God's kindness. 
God does not motivate us with guilt and shame. But we do have those fires that happen inside when we've been listening to the enemy and not dealing with our sin. And those just burn and burn and do damage to our souls. But what we know about fire is fire refines. Like Job says, when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Now, there's another word that I want to just mention in this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. There's a word that goes through all of them. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. What's the common word? Through. Through. Isn't that a beautiful word? It might be a very long through. But all of this is happening because it's taking us somewhere. It means we are not stuck in whatever water or fire that we're in. God has something for us that has to do with movement through. Back to our story of Kareth and Jake. When I asked God to teach me about love, it wasn't long. I mean, I could say I loved Jake when he was growing up. I remember watching the marching band go down and thinking, God, that young man, he's supposed to belong to you. I know it. Don't you want him now? How about now rather than later? That was before he and Kareth were even dating. I just knew you're, he's marked for you, God. So I'd pray for him for years. Then when Kareth was dating him, I'd say, Lord Jesus, please save Jake and move him out. Save him and move him out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> come on. <laughs> um, but God put inside my heart a whole new love for Jake's parents that I hadn't had before. He also gave that to David. In fact, as David and I were praying about David's first meeting with Jake, which was going to be the week after he heard the news, God told David, lean in and love him. And at that first meeting David had with Jake, he put his arms around him. After they talked, David talked about why he thought that God meant sex for marriage, um, why this was hard on us and that we didn't want them to move in together or anything like that. He talked to him about it, but he also told him about our faith. Not that we hadn't told him before, but he told him again. And, um, and then David put his arms around Jake, and he said, you know, I really do love you. And Jake said, I know. Thanks for not wanting to kill me. <laughs> and David said, well, maybe you should say thanks for waiting till you got over that till we met. Jake didn't know Jesus, and we really wanted him to know Jesus. But we got to wrestle with some questions in that time that we hadn't wrestled with deeply in a while. We had to ask ourselves, do we want Jake to become a Christian just because he's the father of our grandbaby? That is not reason enough. Do I want Jake to become a Christian because I'm in a Christian club and he needs to belong? That is not reason enough. I had to look at my love for Jake and look at my belief in the gospel. Is this really, this gospel, a matter of life and death forever? Yes, it is. And if I love somebody, I want them to know Jesus. Because I believe with all my heart that he is the way, the truth, the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. So out of love, I want you to know him. David met with Jake sometimes. Um, they talked about faith. They talked about being dads. Um, we also had to ask, we really want Jake to read the Bible. Oh, wait a second. Do we really? You know how weird the Bible is sometimes? Like, do I really want him to read that? 
Well, I bought a Bible for him and asked, uh, asked the Lord to just show me when it would be a good time to have it. Uh, he lived in our neighborhood with his mom. His parents were still living with our cousin. We'd have them to dinner uh, at least once a week at our house. And it was after dinner one time in about June. Kareth had come to us and said there was the news. Um, can't tell you all the parts of the story. But this is uh, in June. He, we were having dinner, and he sat down in the living room afterwards, and I realized now's the time. So I went and got the Bible. It was still in the box, and I brought it out and sat down by Jake um, on the love seat, and I said, he got you a Bible, and, um, and I want to show you how this thing works. So I took it out and said, okay, so here there's this table of contents right here. And it will tell you the names. There's a bunch of books in here. There's 66 books um, written by, I don't remember how many authors, 40-something authors, over uh, 2,000 years' time. And, um, so, and it's all in one book. And so you'll find the names of the books here. And then here's the deal. When you open it, do you see these big numbers and little numbers? You know, when somebody hasn't grown up with the Bible, what, what are those big numbers and little numbers? So I told them what they meant. The big number is the chapter, the little number is the verse. So you look in the table of contents, you find the book, you find this. And so let's just try it. So we tried looking up a verse. Uh, anyway, it was fun. And he just, he was looking and kept going like this to it. And, and I said then, um, Jake, I'm going to ask whenever you decide to start reading the Bible, uh, I'm going to suggest you start reading in Genesis. And I've never suggested that to anybody before. Because usually you don't start in Genesis. <laughs> you start in John or in Mark, right? Uh, but I said, but your name, I had just learned his middle name. Your name is Jacob Joseph Payne. And those three men are in the book of Genesis. And I want you to read their stories because every one of them come to a fork in the road with their relationship with God and they make a decision. And I want you to know how, what they decided. Because sometime you're going to come to a fork in the road with God and you're going to decide what you want to do. So I want you to know what they decided. I didn't know when he was going to start reading, but it was the next day he was reading that Bible. He had a lot of great questions to ask. I also told him that the Bible was not rated PJ, PG. It wasn't even PG-13 in some places. Uh, just beware. Now, Kareth came to church in these months. Jake did not come to church for months, uh, but Kareth did. And at our church, when we take communion, um, you go up to the front and take it. So there are people serving, and so you go up in front of the church. And I remember sitting in church and watching Kareth go up to the front with her growing belly in front of the church and take communion. And it was a beautiful picture of the gospel. Because every one of us has a belly. Now, God was creating a beautiful person inside of us. But we all have choices that we've made that are sinful, and most of the time, we can't see. So when I go up to that communion table, you don't know what choices I've made that week. But when she went up to the communion table, we all knew. And so that picture of the gospel, that I receive forgiveness, and I celebrate the blood of Jesus, so beautiful. The gospel proclaims that the ground is level at the foot of the cross, that all have sinned. Consequences of sin have varying measures. It's not all the same in terms of consequences or, or penalties when you're in a judicious uh, role. But there is no limit to how far the blood of Jesus can flow. 
Romans 3, 23 to 25 says, Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. As we rolled out the news uh, to our friends and family, the reason we waited was because we weren't Karen wanted to tell her siblings in person. She wasn't going to be with her brother for a few weeks. But as we told people, the body of Christ was so beautiful. I just want you to know. The body of Christ in Tatum and at church were so beautiful and so loving. Um, Cadence had a shower for Kara, our church did, and her friends did. And at every shower, I gave a gift to Jake. And in one of them, I gave him the Jesus Storybook Bible. And I would recommend that for everybody in this room, no matter how old you are. Get the Jesus Storybook Bible, start at the beginning, and read it through. Because you'll see how this whole book ties together and the beautiful story of Jesus in it. Uh, that was another book that he read that Sunday. Sorry, I forgot something. Okay. <laughs> I told you that I was really um, heartbroken at the beginning and spent time crying and that kind of thing. And I just want to let you know that, that God really lifted that after a few weeks. And there was this joy and celebration uh, in what he was going to give us that we still didn't know. I remember one of our friends saying, this person is somebody you don't want to do life without, this person that God's making, um, which is so true. Uh, but the last time that I did grieve, uh, and had just a cry session, was in, uh, in that summer, Kareth wanted Kyrie to take photos of her and Jake with her baby belly. And um, she called them family photos. And I said to her, you are not a family yet. You have not taken a cover. <laughs> I'm okay with it. She asked me what I thought, so I wasn't just barging in, you know, saying, hey, hey. She asked me. And, um, and I said, I think you will be glad you have those photos. I think I'll be glad you have those photos. And... Um, and so they took them. They were adorable. These, they'd gone through the years now and taken the same poses with, with the baby as a little girl, the second child, you know, all of that. Anyway, um, but Kareth called and said, can I put them on Facebook? I just, she wanted to honor me, you know, and I'm like, uh, well, that's your decision. And it's true, and it's reality. Here it is. And, and uh, she said, just a few. And I said, what's a few? She said, about 10. And I go, oh, I was thinking of two more. <laughs> and then I had a good cry. And our daughter, Kyrie, was in there with me. She, um, she walked me through my crying. And she said, Mom, don't make it global. It's 10 pictures. <laughs> don't make it about the whole world. In two weeks, you'll be okay. And I was. And, uh, and she said, Mom, I have the gift of faith. A baby's not a problem. And she was right. God gave me three promises in this passage. A, the water will not heat over us. B, the flames will not set us ablaze. And those are not promises that we will, not, uh, that we will never experience physical harm or even death. They're promises about our core, about our spirit, that uh, cannot be touched by the circumstances in life, that are protected for eternity by God's grace. They will not sweep over us. They will not set us ablaze. And then this great promise to us, sister, I will be with you.
whatever you're going through this morning, God is promising his presence to you. And a loving Heavenly Father's presence is uh, it's supposed to mean something to us in the midst of it. And I remember as a young kid going through an experience, I grew up the first 11 years of my life in a little lumber mill town on northern Vancouver Island that you could only get into by seaplane and by boat, 20 feet of rain a year, 2,000 people. My dad worked in that lumber mill, and he pastored a church. And uh, for a boy and his brothers, it was an awesome place to grow up, but it was isolated and wet and uh, awesome. Passus, British Columbia, you can look it up, it's still there. The lumber mill's gone, but it's still there. Well, for whatever reason, out in front of our house, there were piles of logs. Like, they let them dry or something, but I mean, just huge piles of logs. And me and my brothers would just play on those all the time. I am certain they were quite dangerous. The way they piled them up, there were little gaps in between, and we would crawl through these gaps. And one day, one day, my mom had the gift of faith also, I think. (laughs) One day, we're just playing, and the log I was on moved, and I fell down to the ground, and that log rolled, and it rolled over my right arm and fortunately stopped. And I think angels must have stopped it because it would have crushed me. So there, and it was excruciating pain. My brother was with, with me, and I was just trapped by this log. And I said, get dad, get dad. And I just remember crying and pain, and then all of a sudden, actually the sun was blocked out. One of the sunny days there. And there was my dad, and his words were, David, I'm here. That's all he said. And I had one of those moments of instant peace. Any of you had surgeries where you had to be put out? Any of you gone through surgeries? You can admit it. Yeah, we've all. You know that that happy juice they give you right before they go in? (laughs) And that instant joy that spreads through your veins? That's good stuff. (laughs) It is. But the Holy Spirit is actually legal and free. And that's what, and I, and when God, when my dad said, I'm here, I remember feeling instant peace because I knew my dad would take care of it. I was just a little guy, but I knew he would take care of it. And sure enough, he got some guys and they got two by fours and they levered that log off of me. I didn't break my arm. I actually split my head open. I was bleeding everywhere. Um, But it just was a moment for me. And as a dad, I I think about that, our presence, it means strength and comfort and encouragement and, and a way through. That's what God promises for you today and for me. And then the great promise, which we started last night with, fear not, because that is all true. Satan wants us afraid. He wants us anxious. He wants us worried. He wants us terrified. God says, I'm with you. I can take care of it. There's over 300 verses in the Bible about fear and dealing with fear. That's where the enemy wants to take us. And God is always bringing us back with his presence to, I'm with you. You can trust me. It doesn't mean we're not going to struggle with anxiety and fear, but it means that God's always bringing us back to himself. And that no matter what happens, we can know him and love him. God is always desiring our love and our knowledge and our relationship. And that's what these realities, these trials are about, stripping everything away to where we can know and love him more. Two days before uh, baby was born, David went out with Jake for dinner to talk about being a dad. And in that dinner, maybe you should tell it, but I like to tell it. I wasn't there, but I'll tell it. (laughs) uh, David said that that day he was thinking about 
birth and, and salvation and how there's a process of getting ready to be born again. That day, I know I was driving, doing errands and crying in the car. Jesus, isn't it time? Isn't it time to save Jacob? Well, David asked Jacob, um, we've been talking about being born again, and I just, now your baby's going to be born soon. I'm just wondering, are you three months along in your faith? Are you six, are you nine months along? Are you ready to be born? And Jake said, I think I am. Where should we do this? And um, they said, oh, well, we could do it right here in the restaurant. We could pray, or we could wait till we get home. How about we wait till we get home? Think about it a little bit. They had a good conversation, and they ended up praying in the car behind our house when they got home. I was inside, and they uh, came in and, and called me into the kitchen, and Jake was putting leftovers in the fridge and turned around, and I said, how was your dinner? I'm wondering why they called me. And he walked towards me, and he said, incredible. And then he put his arms around me and said, I just prayed with, De with David, and I asked Jesus into my heart. And I just started crying, you know, and jumping screaming, up and down and yeah. screaming. <laughs> and I said, you were marked for God, kids. You know this is about you, not just the baby. This is about you, you and Jesus. So kind of God. You know, when this journey started, we didn't know if it would be years. I mean, you know, some of you are in those journeys of years. We didn't know if there would be custody battles. Anyway, but here we are with this new creation in Christ. Then he started coming to church. Two weeks after that, he proposed to Carrie after the birth of, of Riley. He was there for the birth. I remember sitting in the room for the birth as well, thinking, all is well. Jake's a believer. And holding that baby. And um, Carrie has a tattoo on her back that's um, Psalm. One day, I'll lift my eyes to the hills. Which one is it? Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. The maker. She's got that down her back. Anyway, <laughs> and so um, we, were, we were talking about that, and the, that verse ends with, I'm holding the baby, and that verse ends with, um, the Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. And Jake put his hands on, his, on the baby, and he said, both now and forevermore, Lord. The first blessing of a father from that son. Well, they decided to get married two months after that, which was our family reunion, because my brothers live overseas as missionaries, two of them do, and they're all going to be here, so let's have the wedding when everybody's here. Great. The family reunion's at our house. Christmas is that week, and let's start with the wedding in two months. Okay. We did. We did it. It was beautiful, 300 people there um, in our church, and, and we had the wedding. Yes, what? We got to wrap it up. Okay, so I'm going to just show you a picture. <laughs> This is a picture of the wedding and of David praying over Rylan, um, our granddaughter, with Jake and Karis. That was just a beautiful moment. And this is last week, um, Rylan's picture starting preschool. I get to watch um, her and Harper a day a week. And otherwise, she's at the preschool where her mom's now teaching. We love this story. But probably most stories don't end up like that. Some of you, many, many, many of you are still in stories where this was not a happy conclusion yet. We understand that. And that's the reality of life. You keep on passing through the waters, passing through the fires, trusting God. Briefly, here's how God's presence affects our objectives. Refreshed, the scripture says that God provides streams in the desert. So God makes light out of darkness, life out of death, revival out of our realities. We're refreshed because everything is stripped away when we find him. 
we're connected because trials bring us together. And being together brings us to each other. We're repurposed because as all that is stripped away, God speaks to us in our reality about what he has for us again next morning. This is the God that loves us, that is with us. He is a good God. Let's renew our commitment and our love of trusting him this morning. And I want to leave you with the words that God gave me. I love you, God says. I see you. Your heart is precious to me. Love your people now. You can't wait until you know that they're all okay and walking with him before you love them from your heart. So fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not scorch you or quench you. God, we believe it. Help our unbelief and take us right now in the reality we each are in to know you, to trust you, to walk with you no matter what. I pray it in the name of Jesus. From the uh, earliest days of our Christian walk, which is now a number of years ago, I fell in love with the church. <laughs> and um, I, I hear people say I can find God in the mountains, perhaps, but you can't find this. I just love our church. Last night I asked you a question. These are the questions that we're going to be faced with all year. Uh, one of the things I love about church is that somehow God brings all of our individual realities together and makes something wonderful. I have no idea how he does it. It's too complex for me to understand, but I know many of your stories, and he brings it all together, and something good comes out of it. So last night I raised the question, what has he chosen us for? And in light of, you, you see we're following Dave and Joyce's talk. These are questions we have to answer this year as we think of the next three years. What is our reality that we are facing as a church? What is it? When only 7% of our county professes, professes to be Protestant Christian, we have a reality, don't we? Nothing to be afraid of, but certainly something to be aware of. So keep pondering that, and we're going to be looking to you throughout the year trying to answer those questions. Dave and Joyce, thanks for being here. Mark, I think we have some announcements and things like that. Yeah, that's uh, courageous. Thank you. So the breakout sessions is uh, next, correct? And uh, the kiddos are still out there. They're doing fine. Just went out and checked on them. They will make it through, I think, till about noon. But then don't forget, you have to take them back. They're still your kids. Here's what we'll do. We can have, how many breakouts do we have? Four total? Um, we can put three in here. So if we take just a couple minutes, and then the other one where? Upstairs on the, on the loft where, on the landing, where we had the, that's where the Schmitz will be upstairs. Good. Rob and Darla will be up there for a family discussion. 
and that will be you know the same idea kind of was a bunch of you came to devotions this morning way to go on that that was awesome but what we'll do is we'll just pull out because there's dividers just like in our comics back at home so i'll pull out a divider here and i'll pull out a divider there and we'll break this into three separate rooms you can access through different door points and uh, maybe it'll just be a surprise as to who's in which room. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me, but that'll be great. Um, and then we'll eat lunch after we're done with those breakout sessions. Any questions or other announcements? You remember the announcement for the Jeep Club. That's going on. Good. Go ahead. Stefan. Oh, the, f the uh, horseback riding. No, wrong. 11 to 12. Stefan, what the heck is going on? Get up here. Get up here. <laughs> they probably already all know. If you want to be, who is, is older than fifth and sixth grade but wants to be in the fifth and sixth grade group? Anybody? Yeah, that's what I thought. There would be a bunch of you. Go ahead. So you guys, the youths over here, we're going to, you can if you want. You can go to these other breakout sessions if there's one that you want to go to. Or you can come with me and Taylor and just get the announcement. Choose B. Okay, what else? No, the other sessions would be great. Anything else going on? Questions? Any other questions? It's 11.13, so let's make this transition time quickly so that then we'll be done closer to being on time. Here's the other thing. Tonight, we've had a lot of freedom in the first two sessions as far as starting time. Tonight, let's start on time. Okay, let's get over here. Let's get it started. Actually, we're going to get it rolling, so you're going to miss some of the songs. And has the music been like slightly above average? Hasn't that been awesome? Yeah, exactly. So don't miss any of that. Get right over here on time tonight so we can start. Because here's the hardest part. The hardest part is Annika has people coming from another church here in Granby that's helping her with the kids, and they have a time slot that's designed. If we start late, it bumps everything back, and then Annika's in big trouble. So we're going to start on time, finish on time, still have a nice evening for some fire and so forth together, and then we'll all get to enjoy each other's company and go to bed on time. Okay? Great. Okay, thanks. You're free to go. Just take a quick break and come on back for breakout sessions. Guys, there are tools to, uh, let's see, Matt, would you open the door right there on the side? We don't need any music or anything in this. Right there, yeah. And then there's some tools, I think on top. Those tools lock these sections. Okay, okay. Can you lock them? To, it, it probably, can you still drop the feet? Yes. Okay. Matt, bring one tool up over here. Guys, don't push it too far. It's all right. That's good right there. And then you can drop the feet anywhere. There we go. Good. Beautiful. Great. Perfect. 
All right, so it turns out Lisa Best is here in the center, and then Bill is coming out by the open windows down on what is probably the, well, the Continental Divide side, so it's the east side of the room. Lisa Best will be in this room in the center, and then the third section will be over closest to the inside of the building. 